Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. This is Season 8, Episode 50. I'm John DiCarlo, editor of OwlScoop.com, and look who is back in the fold for the scoop, Kyle Gauss, Declan Landis with us, and another guy making his return, Javon Edmonds, who has now started his full-time job at The Messenger. The scoop is brought to you all by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury to Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or the highway in the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win, so in Pennsylvania or New York, Call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. So thank you to Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers for their continued support of The Scoop. What's up, boys? How you doing? Javon and I branched out, saw if there were better things out there, came home. <laughs> if you love something, let it go. You loved us. You let us go. We came back. You're yeah, we explored the transfer portal, realized there wasn't anything else out there for us, returned home. If we had better, a better budget and better music licensing, I would play If You Love Someone, Set Them Free by Sting. But You can do it anyway. You think Sting is going to... I think 30 seconds is fair use, right? You know, you just get the click, the quick Sting, little blip. Sting is an avid scoop listener. Don't think he wouldn't check in on us and use his vast legal resources to bury us. He listens to us during his tantric sessions. It's just, it's just the scoop on in the background. Oh, Kyle, Javon, how have you been in your time away from the scoop? Kyle, you might have some grievances to air or maybe not. Oh, Kyle, grievances. What's up? I'm happy. I'm always happy. I'm always happy when my car with 12,000 miles breaks down 30 minutes before the Chesapeake Bay Bridge because of faulty mechanic work. I'm always happy about that. That's spend a tech place. It's been an extra two days down the Outer Banks. Ended up running a car. So I had to go back down tomorrow, drive five and a half hours by myself. Turn around, get the car, drive five and a half hours back. So it's gonna be time. Good time. Five I downloaded I downloaded no no free ads, but I downloaded BBC's um 13 minutes to space or whatever, which is about the the space race in like 19 1960. So I'll be listening to that podcast for eight hours. How'd you pass the time while you were in your hotel room? Just watching Star Wars, man. Uh <laughs> during the July 4th weekend, uh TNT just runs every single Star Wars up uh, movie, and I watched like six of them and ate Papa John's because the Outer Banks is like Midwest where they don't know how to make pizza, so you have to go chain. So that was that. That's right up Declan's alley. You're not a big fan of chain restaurants. You know, we got to support local businesses. Nobody hates chain restaurants more than John DiCarlo I unless, do like it's, unless it's P.F. Chang's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this little spot, you might not have heard of it, uh, you know. But like the, the Johnny's existence. Johnny's and I are, are two separate people. <laughs> the existence <laughs> of chain restaurants just infuriates John. Like how dare they be able to take the same business and put it in different cities. Each city <laughs> should have their own thing. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Javon, your first uh, few weeks at The Messenger. How's it going, buddy? Um, It's going pretty good. I'm actually up here as a favor to you today up in yes. Philly doing double so um the bosses are cool with it so they're cool they you know they they know my first boss always comes first which is which is wonderful That's are you great. just talking about like the hr process at john's class because aren't you you've been there for like two weeks right <laughs> so it's just like orientation like 
No, 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 no. <laughs> he spoke. So I, I just wrapped up teaching Klein Colleges or Temple's pre-college program, the sports reporting class. So we had eight high school students who were awesome. They were from New York, North Jersey, some from Philly, one from South Jersey, great students. And then this second week, I had some guest speakers. Javon was our guest speaker to, to close things out. We gave him a gave him a tour of the student media facilities. Javon was great, captive storyteller. Did a great job. Good. Yeah, I rambled for about an hour. I didn't plan on going that long, but once I started, I just can't stop, apparently. <laughs> Don't we know it? <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> we starting off early today. Okay, Declan. I got you. I'm just so happy to see you. You got it's, one way, uh... one hell of a way to show it. <laughs> We do have we we have a lot of great stuff for you guys. Primarily, uh, we're really really excited about our upcoming interview with former Temple guard and now the director of player development, LaSalle Trey Lowe, who will also be an assistant coach on the Broad Street Birds TBT team. Again, if you know if if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know Trey's story by now. Super promising recruit had played in 28 games, I believe, as a freshman. Was coming off a, a really good game against Villanova, dropped 21 against the nationally ranked Villanova team. And then unfortunately got into a one-car accident and the injuries he sustained in that accident prevented him from playing again, but finished not only his bachelor's degree, but his master's degree at Temple in 2020. And he's now on Fran Dunphy's staff at LaSalle, again, as their director of player development. So we're going to be really excited to talk to Trey here in a few minutes. Hope you guys really enjoy that interview. Famous number 50s, guys. You guys uh, got close last week with a famous number 50. Jamie That's Moore. what I was going to use. Yeah, but again, we did find that out that he did wear number forty-nine. I I listened to it, you know, while speed racing back in the bank. So did Declan actually go into his closet to determine the number? Yeah. Yes, I did. Well, no, it, you, he you had a forty-nine jersey, right? Oh no, you had a you no, I had a fifty. 50 I I jersey. had to edit it out for you know length reasons, but yes, I did. I turned around, got into my closet, and uh, made sure that it was number fifty for the fills. A couple fills. What I was going to use this week. Uh, Hector Neris. 50. Oh, yeah. Um, Braves wise, Adam Wainwright. Yeah. Wainwright's the one that, because, you know, he was a Braves hand. They got traded for JD Drew. And then Mookie mm-hmm. is also 50. Oh. 50 surprisingly common number. I would have thought we'd get to the point where, like, hey, we should be turning this over. It's a season, whatever, because we're running out of numbers. But hmm? <laughs> let's see. The Admiral, probably David Robinson. Easy. Yeah. You know who I think of just off the top of my head, and I don't know why? Sid Fernandez, former left-handed pitcher for the Mets. Big dude. Yeah. Powerful he was for a did, did also, Singletary also pitch for the Phillies, right? Chicago? I think Singletary was fifth. Declan, you haven't Googled anything else, or are you just staying true to the, the process, or are you trying to be uh, an honest member of the number? I, you know, I told you last week I'm trying to be better. You know, I really am. It's <laughs> I'm in recovery. But yeah, Well, know. because Javon, it was very clear that one week that you Googled something, and Javon just, like, jumped all over you. Yeah, you know, people keep snitching. It's fine, you no, know. Listen, I, I'm going to explain it the way I explained it that week. Buddy, you didn't even attempt to come up with the original ones. You no, know? you're right. You're right. So I'm trying to be better. I am. But in that two out of three episodes of the past couple of weeks, I've had nothing. So, you know, great job oh, carrying the segment, guys. Oakland Raiders, offensive lineman, Hall of Famer, uh, Jim Otto. Oh, okay. I like Kyle Quizzes. Oh, no, that's, that's, I'm sorry. No, Jim Mara wore double zero. So my Googling after we ran out of baseball players proved me wrong. Oh, oh wow. Wait, how, we, since when you were double zero in the NFL? That was a lot. Are we sure that's accurate? I mean, I'm looking at it. 
I'm looking at photos of him in zero zero, right? Everything on the anything, everything on the internet is true, Kyle. You know, That's I mean, you know this by now. It's never let me down. We start with double zero. The only player to ever wear this number for the Raiders was Jim Otto. He wore fifty when he started, switched to OO in sixty one. Interesting. Well, that's pre-Super Bowl, though, right? It was originally permitted because he count. it was permitted because he started off in the AFL, so he got grandfathered in. Oh, okay. During the merge, I was going to try to honor Pat Egan by thinking of some sort of NHL player who wears number fifty, but I got nothing. No, no idea. Some reason, like NHL players, you've asked me to be like eighty-eight would be like the only ones I would like know people for. Declan NASCAR fifty go. Oh, jeez. Uh... <laughs> no idea. I had 49, but I, I don't have a 50. Did you watch? You watched that Chicago race? Is that what I saw you tweet? Yes, I did tweet about it. It was incredible. Just like, you know, growing up as a NASCAR fan, it was very much, you know, there's a lot of races out of the year where it's just left turn, left turn. Uh, but it was really cool, like, seeing them actually drive through a city. And, <laughs> like, the finish of it was awesome. I'm back in on NASCAR. I am. It's great. Until they hit you with another left turn, left turn, left turn, left turn track. Yeah. And then, you know, some, some weeks you're going to have to be out, you know, obviously, <laughs> but some weeks, some weeks it's great. You know, that's like any sport though. You know, some games you just are terrible and some games you're, you're really into. Yeah. It's great. In the interest of full disclosure, I did go to Google for this. I I forgot this guy existed. Isn't Chris Chambliss a former brave? I've never heard that name before in my life. Chris Chambliss. Yeah, it's C-H-A-M-B-L-I-S-S. Cool name. I got a deep dive for you. John, he stopped playing before I was born and uh, appeared to have just been a bit of a journeyman, okay player. So I would I wouldn't know that much. <laughs> the perfect player for the podcast. Yeah, Jim Otto was a Hall of Famer, though. Like, I, I know that. This guy's just like, okay, I played for five teams. You know, I was a professional hitter. Like, 2,100 hits. Good friend. for him, man. I'm going to talk to my friend Claire Smith about getting Chris Chambliss into the Major League Baseball. He Hall. died in 1996. He can be posthumously very, very much alive, I believe. Um, <laughs> let's see. Zach Randolph and Ralph Sampson. Zach Randolph. Oh, Ralph Sampson. Yeah. Um, my deep dive, Miami Heat, Heatles era, bald head center. Oh, um, 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 oh, come on. You got it. I think I know it. No, I don't have it. I had it and I lost it. Shane Battier? No. Oh, he's not a center. Shane Battier was, was a center. <laughs> he was bald, though. Joel That's Anthony true. wore number 50. Uh, uh, and then here's one I forgot said. about until I looked it up. Transparency. Corey Maggette. Yeah. Mm. On the Clippers? Yeah, another baldy. It was was he on the same Clippers team with Cat Mobley when Cat Mobley kind of did that towards the end after he left Houston? Um, I don't know. I know they were teammates um together in the big three. Um, yeah. So it's fine. Let's see, Cat played there 05 to 08. I think Corey McGetty was there in that time. All right, well, we promised you all an interview with former Temple guard Trey Lowe, and he's with us now on the scoop. Coach Trey Lowe. Trey, thanks for, for doing this, man. How you doing? It's good to good to see you. How's everything going? Everything's going very well. Thanks for having me on the show today. I'm just happy to be here, honestly. Happy to have more life and just keep living and staying blessed. Uh, there's so much to, to get into with you. We'll start from the current stuff and kind of work our way back. You're going to be coaching. Not only are you the director of player development at LaSalle, we'll get a lot into that. Um, you're also going to be an assistant on this Broad Street Birds staff, uh, working with Tony Paris, working with Shiz Olsen and all the former Temple players. You guys have a pretty good pretty good roster. How did things come together with, with joining the Broad Street Birds staff? How much fun is this going to be for you? 
Oh, uh, just to be, it should be a lot of fun, honestly. Uh, just getting getting a chance to play and just be around and coach against my teammates, honestly. So just those are my brothers, so I wouldn't have it any other way. And um, just getting a chance to coach them uh, kind of came unexpectedly. Uh, coach Tony Paris, me and him for way back since high school, uh, we worked out together a lot like that. So he's very a very close family friend, and he kind of knew that this opportunity I would never say no to. So he reached out to me, and honestly, I just said yes and be right to it. And then heading into in the TBT, does it feel good to have a season of experience under your belt after being on on France staff? I would imagine, and we probably have a question for you along these lines. It, it's you guys are competing for a million dollars, so it's going to be a mix of I'm sure having some fun, but a chance yeah. to win a million dollars. But does it feel good to have a season of coaching experience under your belt heading into the summer with these guys? Honestly, it does feel very, very, very good help and get that season underneath my belt. I learned a lot, honestly, at the college level. Uh, just learning under a, a Hall of Fame guy. He teaches me a lot, um, learn from every single day, actually. So it definitely helped a lot. And then bring this into the TVT, uh, I can bring the knowledge that I know and have learned and just help out any way I can and help even, even help Tony out. We can teach each other a lot of things. So but we're looking forward to getting as far as we possibly can. And if so, we can win that million dollars, and I'm happy. Yeah, Trey, the first game's less than two weeks away, so it's right around the corner. So I know a lot of this – over the past couple of weeks, has still been kind of the roster still being put together. But have you guys had the opportunity to start practicing or maybe come together as a team? Oh, we actually had a couple of practices. Uh, actually, had two. One this past week, one a week before that. Uh, kind of just got familiar with everybody. Got some got some shots. I ran over a few sets and stuff like that, and just kind of just got familiar with everything. So we're kind of we're trying to get there. We're getting a move on it now. Next week, we'll probably go out a lot, lot harder than we did these past couple these last two practices because. Honestly, me and Tony are coming in this track. We want to win this whole thing. We have nothing but we got a right great team, a uh, couple vets on there. So we're just trying to just do what we can to win it all. Now, just logistic-wise, obviously it's not the same as traveling as an NCAA team, but when do you guys kind of go out to Wichita and get the ball uh, rolling that way? Uh, a lot of us are heading out there in the 18th and 19th, getting there a day early. So we just trying to just soak and settle in and just honestly just prepare for the game on uh, the 19th or the 20th, I think. That's our first game. So we're heading to work. We should all be there at least a day or two ahead. Now, you mentioned, obviously, that being around some of your old teammates, you know, those are your brothers. But is there anybody maybe in particular that you're like, and it's good to be around them again, whether that's Shiz or somebody else, you're like, like I'm just really happy to be around that guy? Uh, honestly, one good person I would say is Jason Thompson. He may not remember it, but I didn't remember it. My dad kind of told me a couple of weeks ago that you, I went to his when Jason Thompson, Jason Thompson basketball camp when I was in. I think elementary school, and he said I was the MVP of the camp, and we took a picture together. So just and then I just the fact that just getting to grow up with him and watch him. Then when I was able to compete and things like that in high school, I worked out with him a lot too. So he's been around a lot. So I kind of just happy to be kind of rekindled and reconnected in that way. Now that we're both older and more mature, now we can just talk about the past and just goof off about it, things like that. Now, but he's a good person to be around and a good person. Another person I look up to. Trey, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Coach Tony Paris, and we had Shiz on the pod a few weeks ago. You know, he brought him up. Can you talk to talk to us about, you know, what Tony Paris meant to you and what he's meant to, you know, Philly basketball? Because he's one of those guys where unless you're, like, really tapped in, you might not really know how much he's got going on behind the scenes. Uh, well, me and Tony, um, we've been cool since middle school. We've been, we've been working out, and he's been – working me out since middle school. So we, me and Tony go way back. But just the fact that things he do for these kids in Philly and things like that, not a lot, like you say, if you're not tapped into that world or that kind of those kind of people, you would never know what he does. Uh, the movies he's put out, 
talking about the, the, the big five basketball and the Philly basketball and just the history of Philly at, at that. So, um, like I said, Tony's a very, very good person. He works very hard and helps out the people that he does. So big shout out to Tony Paris, definitely. And Trey, if you had to talk a little bit about like the the vibe or the atmosphere around the TBT team, like obviously I'm sure it's it's probably fun to be around everybody. And but on the other hand, you're playing for a million dollars. So can you talk a little bit about like you know what has practice been like? What's the energy around the team? I think everything's been calm and kind of just calm and just we've been getting through the motion, just kind of get familiar. But I feel like uh, this text this next week coming up. We'll definitely all turn it up and just kind of just get more and more focused and just more ready and locked in, honestly. Because I feel like once they realize, once it gets here, like it's here. So I feel like we just we want to just prepare ourselves so what's about to come. So when it does get here, we already prepared for all of it. Trey, anybody who's listening to this podcast, if they're a Temple fan, they I would imagine they know what what you've been through, and it's been a little bit more than seven years now since that that car accident that ended your playing career and. I just have so much respect for what you've been through. And one of our friends who worked with us at Al Scoop, Sam Cohn, when he was working at the Inquirer, he wrote a story about you. And and among the other things he wrote about, I think he had written that, you know, once you got your master's degree at Temple in 2020, that that was maybe kind of like a turning point for you when you finally started to maybe reach that point of acceptance of everything that had happened. I know there was so much that goes into it, but what was it like to just work your way through that? Because everybody knows how good of a player you were and what you put on display. I mean, it was less than two weeks after you you had that really good game against Nova. What was it like to just go through that? Because we, that's something that we can't relate to. And I have just so much respect for the the you know what you've gone through to get through that, to get to where you are today. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, honestly, it was, it was going through going through hell it feels like honestly um just I would never wish that upon anybody just being that that low of level of life not knowing that like you're going to make it be able to walk again see your friends and family the way you want to see them again just live life like a young a young teenager would so all of that was going through my mind then one day I kind of just I got up like I told my dad I was like I, I don't want to I don't want to see myself like this for the rest of my life I don't want to live like this so I kind of just I just had to just man up, honestly. I feel like I came, I became into a young man at an early age. So I had to just man up and just did what I had to do to just be able to get myself back on my feet and just live the life that I live today. So it took a lot out of me, a lot of stress, a lot of, a lot of hard tears, bloods. It felt like I was going through a workout every day, honestly, three or four times a day. And I would just learn how to walk again, put clothes on again, brush my teeth again, just live life like a normal person. So it kind of took a lot out of me, but I feel like the hard work that I did put into that, it definitely did pay out at the end. You literally, you got into the accident and the next thing you knew, you woke up in a hospital room, right? Yeah, I didn't, I woke up a couple of days later, um, just confused and not knowing what was going on. And I tried to get out to bed and I just fell flat on my face. And that's when I, my dad told me like, right now you're paralyzed from the neck down. So mm. you can't move anywhere. And I'm thinking I got to go to practice. Like we got, I got a game coming up. So that was one thing that was on my mind. So well, my dad kind of told me that and sat me down and told me like what happened and when my how my body was at that moment. I kind of just honestly it hurt a lot. I hurt a lot, but I didn't want that to be the person I was. I didn't want. I didn't want to just okay since I got hurt, my life is over now. I wanted to just find. I knew I was better than that, even though my life was basketball. I had to find a different way to still be around a game that I love and just still do the things I do. And I, I found a way, honestly. Right, just from I guess. Going back to that, just from a, a teammate perspective, how useful and beneficial was it for you to be able to kind of 
lean on your teammates for support, whether that was emotional or, or physical? Just how, how much were they there for you? Uh, they were there for me every single day. They off, they visited the hospital all the time to see me. We watched some of the NCAA games together, a lot of NBA final games together over those couple months when that had happened. Then when I came back to campus, um, they helped me out a lot. Shiz Austin, Mark Williams, Earn, uh, Obi, and name well, everybody. Everybody did what they did little by little to help me out. Um, even during workouts and stuff like that, they incorporated me into the workouts, even though I kind of slowed everybody up sometimes, but they still pushed me on to just finish and keep going and keep pushing and never give up. So I appreciate all of them for never giving up on me and helping me get to back back to where I am today. You know, Trey, you had guys like Dumpf and, you know, Aaron McKee helping you through that whole recovery process too. You know, those guys are, uh, you know, head coaches. It, are are they the ones who got you into coaching? Like, hey, maybe consider this as a career path where, you know, you don't have to be away from the game just because, you know, you're not playing anymore. Uh, they would mention it to me um, little by little. Sometimes even during practice, like, yo, why don't you come sit in on a coach's meeting and just see this side of basketball, see how things are ran, and you'll see maybe you may like it. Uh, so they definitely put the, they put the word in my ear little by little until one day um, – I finally reached out to Dump when uh, after our after COVID a little bit. I was like, Dump, I'm really I'm locked in now. I want to get into coaching now. I'm all in. And he just said, Okay, are you sure? He's like, Cause once you once you get into this world, it's you gotta put, put, give it your all, and you can't you can't just go through it, go through the motions. You gotta work hard for it. And I was like, Yeah, I'm ready, coach. And he gave me my opportunity last year, and I feel like I'm doing very well with it. And I'm running I'm running away with it. Honestly, at this point, I feel like I can make a lot out of it, and I'm, I plan to do that. Trey, you mentioned that, you know, what you went through was like going through hell. And, you know, obviously we couldn't imagine what that was like. And, you know, looking back on that and now where you are today, you got your master's degree. Now you're working coaching. Can you talk a little bit about any advice that got you through or, or what got you through that time to get to where you are today? Honestly, just just praying to God every day, just staying, staying, talking to him and just keeping my keeping my faith in myself and the things that I had planned for me, honestly, that's what I just kept kept me moving forward. Um, uh, I never would want to see anybody else like that, that that worse off. So I was like, if I don't want anybody else here, why do I got to see myself like that as well? So I just use motivation and just determination and hard work just to keep pushing. And I prayed every single day and every night. And my prayers were answered little by little. And I feel like he still is answering my prayers even to this day. That's awesome. And, you know, kind of switching gears. Can you take us through, you know, you get your master's degree in 2020, you join the staff in 2022, you know, what were you doing in those, uh, that kind of gap in between, you know, can you take us through those two years? Uh, honestly, I went back to coaching my old high school back home in Trent, New Jersey. I went to coach at UGM High. I was head coach of the JV team. Um, and that was just, I kind of, that was kind of my year of my year, my stepping stone year of getting from getting back into getting into coach and then moving up to the college level. So I feel like, it kind of helped me out in different ways, but I learned a lot from that level too. And I brought that with me to this other level. Trey, was that kind of part of like the healing process for you too? Because again, you were a very, very good high school basketball player, a prolific scorer in Jersey. Then going back and being in the gym where you had had a lot of success and you were a fairly highly recruited guy, like a top 150 player in that recruiting class. Was that kind of like that another step in the healing process kind of rejuvenated you like where you're giving back to your team and you're at a place where, you know, that helped build you. A little, a little bit. Yes. It kind of did help. Uh, it felt good to come back there just for that. Even though it was there for just that one school year, uh, just to just give back to those kids and just see some of them just 
make good strides and just even get better or throughout from that in the beginning of the season to end of the season made me happy. And I kind of just kind of just like made me realize, okay, I want to give back any way I can. So even to this day now, I'm, I still come back sometimes, check out practices, talk to some of the kids all the time. So I do what I can, even though I am at this higher level now. I'm on the road all the time, on the run, but I do what I can, honestly. So yes, I did. Yeah, you, you touched on this a little bit already. Can you walk us through like how you landed at LaSalle? Because that was, you know, I've had a chance to just catch up with Dumpf. And I think everybody by now knows they tried to hire him, recruit him to, to LaSalle the first time around. He's like, nah, I'm not sure. The job should go to somebody else. They come back to him and they say, we really, you're our guy. We re- and, and Fran has a hard time of saying no. He always feels like this moral obligation. So he lands at LaSalle. Had you already kind of been in his year? And like at that point, did you really jump and say, hey, I told you I'm ready. I'm really ready. Like, can you walk us through how that went? Uh, so uh, over that summertime when the coach Dunk was just in the, in the process of getting a head job, he kind of told me what was about to happen. And we kind of sat down and talked. He's like, okay, so give me a couple months so I can just get myself situated, things like that. Then I'll bring you on the staff and then we're off into the running. So once he Dunk got situated and everything happened how he said it was going to, uh, I came on staff and I just learned, learned little by little. And I kind of came in a little late into the season, but I had to, so I had to catch up and pick up a little bit. Once I caught up to everything, it was kind of just, I loved it. I fell, fell in love with everything that was going on and how he runs everything. So, and now I'm really, I feel like I'm sprinting through everything now. So I'm learning a lot more on the court now with the guys this year. So I'm able to just one-on-one on the court and just basically do what I can, honestly. How much did that opportunity mean to you? Because you know how competitive this business is when a division one job opens up anywhere, people are really clamoring for jobs. And I know Dump is a really loyal guy, but I know he wouldn't have given you that job if you hadn't earned it. I'm sure he had a ton of people reaching out to him. Dump, can I get a spot on your staff? Former players, coaches, managers, all sorts of people. And he chose you for that player development role. What did that mean to you? I actually meant a lot. I thank him. I thank him. I thank him for it every single day, honestly. And I told him that uh, you'll never regret you making this decision. I'm going to work 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 my butt off every single day and work hard. So so now you'll see me coming in early before practice, staying late after practice and watching a lot of film, just doing different things to like separate myself from other player developers in the collegiate and in just basketball world. So when my name is called at the next level or the next school, whenever that may be, I'm ready and I know what I bring to the table. Great. Going back real quick to your freshman year, there's two games that kind of stick out to me, obviously, when I think back on it. One's the obvious, you drop in 21 points against Villanova off the bench. But the other one that I keep kind of going back to is that first game, you guys open up down Annapolis against UNC, the number one team in the nation. And it got kind of out of hand. But the one thing that kind of stuck out was that you, Shiz, Big Earn, like looked the part. It looked like the 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 spotlight wasn't too big for you guys, including she is trying to fight Bryce Johnson at one point. So I'm just wondering if maybe you can rewind the clock a little bit. How are you feeling in that game? Go heading into that game. You couldn't imagine a bigger stage for your first collegiate game. I'd imagine. Honestly, like every, I feel like every kid should dream and love to be put on that stage at your, as your first game in collegiate basketball. I feel like even if you do bad, just being in that environment and getting to see like what it's like is like, you grow watching that on TV. You're like, wow, this is this is one to be me one day. So when I finally got the chance, like Dump was like, okay, we got North Carolina our first game. Me, she's an earn in the gym every single day, two, three times a day. Those those following weeks before the game started, so we were, I felt like we we were honestly hyped up and ready to play. And I felt like if certain things went different ways, I felt like we could have we could have done something, done a lot more than that game. 
than we did, honestly. I feel like maybe the score would have been a little closer or anything like that. I feel like so we we were honestly ready, I feel like. Yeah, it was eight years ago, and it might not be um, suitable for the, our listening audience, but do you remember what Fran said to Shiz after the Bryce Johnson dunk? <laughs> honestly, I don't remember everything. I just know shit. He was like, Shiz is the time and place for all of this. Like, you're, you're a professional now. You got to carry yourself in a professional manner. <laughs> and me and Shiz talked after the game. He was like, yo, I was ready to fight. And I'm like, Shiz, I had your back. <laughs> and, ever, and ever since then, me and Shiz always been close to each other. Now, Trey, back to your current role. What what are you kind of able to do now with? I know there's new NCAA uh, guidelines for what player development uh, players can do now, where they can be more on the court. It doesn't have to be all off. I think you're seeing that down at Temple with um, they're about to hire Cleef Wyatt for something similar to kind of be able there and and work guys out. So, what's your day to day look like at this point? What are your job responsibilities in this uh, in this role? Uh, honestly, in this day to day role, uh, honestly, I feel like I'm a step under an assistant coach basically. So I do everything an assistant coach would do. So I help plan practice every day. I, I give my input on practice, plays, everything, anything you can think of. Um, I don't recruit. I don't go on the road to recruit. But if I have some, some people may call me to tell me about a certain recruit and I can bring it up to the coaches in our meetings and things like that. So I'm very hands-on with everything. Now that I'm able to be on the court now as well, um, I get to run practice sometimes. Not run practice by myself, but like give my input in practice. We get to run certain drills, get to help out on drills. I get my hands involved in everything. And then I'm um, able to work out the players one-on-one after practice as well, before practice as well, too. So I'm, I'm in my hands. My hands are a lot and everything. So I'm able to get my – just just do what I can, honestly. How would you kind of grade out your guys for a season? I mean, you, you go into the A-10 tournament, the 11th seed, but you win two games. You almost – you hang in there with Fordham. You really kind of looked like you were getting stronger when – as the season went on. How would you kind of just assess the way you guys played last year? Honestly, I think we had a, a very, a very promising season of what's to come in the in the future. Honestly, so I know a lot of people, like you said, we, we picked to win 11 seed. So I know a lot of people had doubts about us and things like that. And I feel like we honestly shocked a lot of people in the A10 by beating Duquesne, beating um, beating whoever we beat first, and just playing hard. Honestly, I feel like so. I feel like a lot of teams in the A10 know that coming in this year, LaSalle's not a slouch team or a team that you think you're going to walk over. So I feel like we have a we have a very promising season coming in. Uh, we know we we all we all know that. You know, the dump is you know towards the back end of his career now, and you got some coaches who towards that last phase they they ease back a little bit. They're a little bit different than the coach they were ten years before that, and then different than they were ten years before that. And then you got some guys who just like stay the same throughout their whole tenure. What's What's 2023 friend Dunphy looking like? Is he the same that, that um, coach Trey Lowe back at Temple, or is he a little different? Uh, yeah, I feel like he's a lot more calm and reserved now than how he coached us back in 2016 to 2020. So we have a whole new Dunphy now. He's still funny in his own different ways, but in terms of just his heightenedness, getting in your face, yelling, screaming, all that, he, he's kind of calmed down with that a lot. He's more kind of reserved. He talks to the players a lot more now more than yelling and screaming. Uh, we used to get called names by him every day in practice, so not so much any of that now. But um, he's still a very, very good coach. He just coaches in a different atmosphere now. I feel like he's adapted to this atmosphere and realized sometimes you can't talk to these kids a certain amount, a certain kind of way as you did like five to ten years ago, whereas you could with us. We didn't. We, we, we just want to shake it off and keep it pushing. So some of these kids nowadays, you, you say something the wrong way and they feel like it's the end of the world for them. And they shut down and things like that. And I feel like He's realizing that, so he's just adjusting his coaching style. 
Craig, I got to ask really quick. Does Dump still do the thing where if he wants to, during a game where he wants to shout something and he doesn't want to get teed up, he shouts it into his hands <laughs> like this? Does he still do that? Every game. Every game. At least times a game. Did you, ever, did you ever that. bear the brunt of that when you were at Temple? Did he ever shout something into his hands? And See, I never paid attention to that because a lot of times I was on the court or just paying attention to the court. But now that I'm a coach and I'm able to see, he does it a lot. And I sometimes I, I find myself giggling a little bit. I'm like, wow, just let it out, coach. And he's like, no, nah, I can't. There's cameras around. I got to be a man. I got to be a good person. Like, You're right, coach. Way to reserve it in. And it's just, it's just <laughs> now that you guys talk about that, it is very funny that people actually notice. That. I didn't think people noticed that. Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trey, you're you're you know in player development, so like you said, you're not on the road with recruiting and all that, but like you're still, you know, a, a crucial piece to the program, a crucial piece to the coaching staff. From what you've observed in your role, you know, how different has you know NIL and and the transfer portal made things for coaches? You know, you you played under Dunf when. NIL wasn't a thing. The transfer portal was just not happening. And now you're you're coaching under them where, you know, you got to re-recruit your kids, not even every season. You got to do it during the season. And, you know, NIL and money is just a factor now. You know, how how has that made things different in your estimation? Honestly, now that NIL and it's a lot bigger than what in the past before, um, I feel like you don't have to recruit out of high school anymore a lot like a lot unless you're a bigger school and you get these recruits coming out of high school now it's just so I feel like as certain smaller schools like the South will be considered we just go right to the transfer portal and just we can pick and choose what we want now at this point because you have some of these players who are just as good as these recruits coming out of high school now they just maybe a little older more mature and sometimes a lot of these smaller schools is what they're looking for we want that 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 21 22 year old mature person to come in and help lead our program and lead the players on the court and just give knowledge along and pass everybody. And with the NIL situation, I feel like Coach Duff is not a, a fan of the NIL situation. So he carries his NIL, NIL situation very differently than most other schools would. Some schools may just drop hundreds of thousands of dollars and not care. I feel like we're way more reserved with how we want to disperse our money and who we want to give it out to and how much we want to give it out to with switching certain players. And another big thing is the player deserve. I feel that's also another big thing. We we take as coaches in our NILs. We have a lot of meetings about it twice, three times a week and just talking about NIL and which direction it's going to go and how much money we should be giving some of these higher recruits or higher rated transfer portal people. We So it's kind of just all over the place, honestly. But I feel like we do a very good job of just talking about it and just everybody getting there, spitting their ideas out and anything like that. Now, you, you said something about the transfer portal that, you know, you know, you you turn on college basketball on on Fox or ESPN and you'll hear a guy like a, a Jay Billis or a Bill Walton crushing it. Um, and it's you, you, you said it. You can go get a 21, 22 year old guy to contribute immediately and have that maturity to him. But, it, you know, like you also said, it can at some schools take away from the opportunities for some high schoolers. How do you balance bringing in those seasoned vets in the portal? that, you know, are coming from somewhere, might have some baggage to them, as opposed to getting an 18-, 19-year-old who will be homegrown and you'll have the full four years with them to develop him into, you know, what an explorer should be. So I feel like you should have a good balance of both, honestly, as a coach. If you if you plan on winning and being good in the season, 
Trey, you have a, uh, some time for, uh, we got a few mailbag questions for you. You have a, a few more minutes to answer some mailbag questions? Yes, sir. Uh, we got a, a few from Twitter here. The first one is from Twitter. This is the, the Twitter handle is ProBetter4. And the question here is, have you seen any of the current new Temple players? And if so, who stands out or who you're hearing will stand out this season? So like along those lines, like do you, obviously you have a full-time job now and you're working for Dove, you're at LaSalle, but do you kind of, even just beyond being in the big five, do you keep an eye on your alma mater and seeing what Adam Fisher is doing and any of the guys that he's brought in and just checking in with those guys? Uh, I kind of do. I do keep my eye on keep my eye on Temple every now and as much as I can. But I haven't seen any any of the new freshmen that they have brought in. Um, so I hope hope honestly I hope they are pretty good. Honestly, hope wish the best of them always. Um, the people who I did who I was very not very close with, but who I did like watch a lot at Temple was uh, Khalif Battle. Um, Damian Dunn because Damian Dunn was coming in his freshman year is my last year there at Temple in 2020 so I uh, talked to him a lot talked to Khalif, Khalif a lot um, so that was about it really but any of the new 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 guys coming I'm not really too too sure on that that side of everything but a lot of older guys I'm closer with another question here the the Twitter handle is off the hook three and he wants to know how the transition has been from being a former player to now being on staff. If there's anything that's surprised that has surprised you about the transition. Um, I like the transition, honestly. And I feel like one thing that, that will surprise me is the hard work and a lot of long days and long nights that goes into this side of the business. Not the fact that you not the fact that we're on the court doing anything, just the fact that like the meetings, the film watching, the, the planning practice, the planning, the trips on the road and just everything like that. Like, it takes a lot of you sometimes if you're when you when you put your all into it. That's the biggest transition. The the second part of his question: Who is the better mascot, Hooter or the Explorer? Gotta go with gotta go with the Explorer now. Hey, you gotta go. I with love the Hooter though. Your check, right? I gotta go with the Explorer now, but I love Hooter now though. He was my guy. Um, this next uh, question and comment here is from uh, one of our subscribers on our message board. The screen name is GL and PA. Uh, just a fan's comment. Trey was, along with my wife, a favorite of mine. I hope that all is good with him and glad he's staying in the area. Does he have greater aspirations to coach? Uh, my goal, my end goal is to be a head coach at a collegiate school one day, at a Division One school one day. So that is my end goal. Or if I can make it to NBA, so be it. But my end goal is to be a head coach somewhere in either NBA or a Division One college one day. Trey, just a couple other questions from me to close things out. We really, really appreciate your time. I got to ask you this because fans love bringing this up and I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask. You were part of that class with Shiz and Ernest, and we know that if things had turned out differently, Jalen Brunson was going to come in. And I'm sure you guys were all talking at the time. Do you think back to like what that would have been like to play with Jalen? I know he ends up at Nova and that was, you know, a lot went. A lot happened there, regardless of what Rick says. He was going to come to the staff or not come to the staff. And we talked to Shiz about this, and he was like, "Yeah, Jalen was going to come until things didn't work out." Do you think back? Do you guys still joke around about like how great of a class that would have been between the four of you guys? We laugh and joke around about it all the time. I was just talking to Shiz about it, obviously, uh, a couple of weeks ago when he was here. Um, but yeah, that definitely would have been. We we would have together and just have played our basketball. But yeah, what a everything we had. Temple basketball, everything along with it. So I feel like we we had a very good season, but I feel like the season would have went differently too as well. But where are you living now? Like, what do you do outside of basketball? Are you living in the Philly area? And they go, and if so, what, where do you live? And what do you do outside of basketball? I know there's probably not a whole lot of free time for you, but what do you do when you're off the court? Uh, 
I still live in the Philly area, but um, my freedom, my free time, honestly, I'm a very big foodie guy. So I like to try different, not try different foods, but just eat a lot of food, um, watch TV as much as I can, honestly, play video games as much as I can. And other than that, um, just take, take the dogs outside, just play with the family, everything. What kind of dog? Very, very, very simple guy. I have a um, a black, a black lab and husky mix, and I have a uh, Bernie's non dog. That's awesome, Trey. Thanks so much for doing this. It, it was great seeing you. Great catching up with you. Best of luck to you guys this season. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it, Trey. Thanks, Trey. A big, big thank you to Trey Lowe for joining us on the scoop, guys. What'd you think? What are your takeaways from from the conversation? Good to see Dunk didn't change too much. Uh, <laughs> you know, some coaches, uh, as they get older, like I said, they rebrand and become someone new. And it doesn't seem like Dunk has done too much of that. So uh, it's good to see one of the last few old school college basketball coaches sticking to his guns. It's not 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 talking to the players as crazy as he used to, as Trey pointed out. But, um, you know, sometimes change is needed. Yeah, that was always the when when Fran was here. That was always like the outsider rub. They're like, he's too nice to these guys. And then you would go to a practice, and you'd be like, oh yeah, Fran Dunphy. Like you would think he hates his players the way he talked to them sometimes during practice. But yeah, it was just an old school mentality. From a from a Trey perspective, it seems like he's in a really good headspace. What with considering how his life took a drastic left turn eight years ago, after probably one of the highlights of his life, dropping twenty one off the bench against Villanova and looking like his star was ascending to have it taken away from that quickly. It seems like uh, emotionally and maturity wise that he's in a great space. So that was just, uh, I like you, that's not like, not like you'd heard otherwise I didn't hear that he wasn't in that great space, but just to kind of have like that reaffirmation that his life continued on despite that tragedy was uh, refreshing to hear. Yeah. I, I think of this now, cause I, I, I should have thought to ask him this, but I remember, I don't know if you remember, like it was maybe, I don't know if it was like a year or two after his accident. And I remember they made him available to reporters and you could, could just tell, I mean, like he was just just choosing his words carefully and you could just tell how dejected he was. And like I said, I, we've never gone through something like that. And he was supposed to be a damn good player. I remember after that Villanova game, granted they, they lost to Nova. They were number one in the country. And I do remember Jay Wright going out of his way to say like, we recruited him. Like we, we didn't just like, casually look at him like we we recruited him and that was at a time obviously jay cracked out one great class after the next but you know jay went out of his way to say like yeah he was on our radar we really we really like trey low and I, i'm left with that feeling too kyle just to really see him hit a stride and he's coaching and that anecdote where he reached out to dump and you know dump said are you sure you really want to do this and it wasn't like trey was just you know asking for a favor and i think they're lucky to have him on staff there too so Great to great to see him doing well. All right, so again, a big thank you to Trey for joining us. Great catching up with him. By now, you've heard we were the first to report this news. Khalif Wyatt is definitely joining Adam Fisher's staff as director of player development. You can expect an official announcement on that next week, and hopefully we'll get the chance to, to sit down with Khalif about, similar to, to what Trey Lowe just talked about, what it's like being a director of player development, being able to be on the court, I know the the fan base is really excited about the move. And cool thing is that Khalif comes in with some coaching experience already. He spent last uh, this past season on Westchester staff, and he's going to coach the, the Big Five TBT team. So next week, we're expected to have Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting. We've had Ari on the scoop plenty of times before, and we're really looking forward to 
sitting down with Ari to talk in depth more about some of the guys that Temple's recruiting in the 2024 25 class. I, I would still think at this juncture, of course, things could change, but in early July, I mean, it's an open period now. The staff's out on the road. I think you're going to see, and we've talked about this before, they're probably going to hit the 25 class uh, pretty hard. You know, some of the names that have come up already in 2024, you've seen, but Ari knows so much about the players in this area, in this region. So we're really looking forward to talking to him next week and catching up with him. And he can give you, as he does, a really good in-depth scouting report on a lot of these guys that Temple is recruiting. Uh, even though they might be a little bit more portal focused in 2024, Ari can really just kind of go down the list with us and really run down some of these guys that Temple's recruiting. Guys, it was uh, good to have the the band back together for the most part, even though Johnny and Ramir weren't weren't with us. Any uh, any parting shots at each other? Any words of wisdom? Hey, John, don't like in, instigate negativity. It's a Friday. <laughs> Goodness. Just saying, if uh, Johnny Ramirez don't kind of get their stuff together, they have they're running the risk of being Pete Best. Like, <laughs> I'm willing to keep this band going on without them. So like, I'll bring a Ringo in. It's fine. Declan was just looking at Javon as if to say, "Tell me who Pete Best is." That's exactly who I was Pete thinking. Was I, I immediately went to Pete West, who I believe yep. is in Fallout Boy, which is what I was thinking. Is that Pete? Saying. Is that Pete? Wentz? Was that the guy with the bird? Yeah, it's Wentz. Pete Wentz. Wentz was the original drummer of the Beatles. Good to know. So I'll write that down. There's a reason you don't know his name. So keep that in mind, Johnny Ramirez. <laughs> they've been we're, they've we been are warm? like we're in like the September part of the baseball season where like I'm starting, I'm gonna get ready to shrink my rotation. All right. Like I'm going down to three starting pitchers in the next month. So do you want to be in there or do you want to be the mop-up guy? <laughs> Yeah, you know that's 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 hey, and and you know any any baseball and basketball, any good team, you know that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That rotation. rotation shrinks to about seven, eight guys. You're Absolutely. lucky if you're the eighth one. You know, Look. baseball, like Kyle said, that postseason comes. It's three, it's three starters. Everybody else, everybody can come out that bullpen. Do you want to be Duncan Robinson? You can put up points in the regular season all you want. I'm not playing you in the postseason if you're not here. Like. <laughs> Poor Johnny's not here to defend. Uh, I miss well, Johnny you. so much. Love you, Johnny. We miss you. I love I you. Miss you. Yes. Well, maybe next week Johnny will be with us and uh, we'll give him a chance to defend himself. So, again, big, big thank you to Trey Lowe for joining us on The Scoop. Great to see him doing well on Fran Dumphy's LaSalle staff. Like I said, next week we will have Ari Rosenfeld with us from Elite High School Scouting to give you great details on a lot of these players from the 24 and 25 classes. Adam Fisher and his staff are recruiting. Good seeing you guys again. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.